Hello and welcome to this episode of the Superhero Ethics. No, they, no, it's, whoa, 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 wait, what? Whoa, 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 friend. Whoa, whoa, Will and whoa. Steve are my guests, right? No, you are different, guests on our podcast. Different podcast. We finally uh, got you on our pod this time. You hold wait, your horses. I don't have to my edit. Friend. I mean, I don't have to pay Paul to edit. <laughs> yes, I'm in. Okay, I'm in. <laughs> Where are we? <laughs> which we talk about the things that we are hyped upon. No comics this week, because we are doing something special. We have guests who you heard, and they are our guests, for once. (laughs) (laughs) Matthew Fox, a.k.a. The Ethical Panda, host of Superhero Ethics and Star Wars Universe podcasts. And Paul Happy, uh, excuse me, Paul (laughs) Hoppy, a.k.a. Zen Madman, who is the permanent guest host of Superhero Comics. Superhero Ethics. Superhero ethics. What did I say? <laughs> Superhero <laughs> comics. Oh. It's a bit broader range than what I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. I have a new podcast Phenomenal now. podcast. In case you are not familiar, we have guested on it several times. So if you haven't gone and listened to us, at the very least on there, it means you don't love us. And we'll just have to live with that. We are here today to talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Hmm. Specifically, what's going on with it? How are we feeling? Where's it going? What's uh, the problems? Some opportunities? Some things in the future? Yeah. Yeah. We're what, like two-thirds or halfway through phase four? Yeah. I think. And then uh, phase five, six, and 73 down the line. We don't know what's going to happen. I have to say, when you say phase 73, I know (laughs) it's coming. <laughs> and I'm exhausted already. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm just imagining my like, you know, a hundred year old self just like barely ambling up into the movie theater and and <laughs> then just like plopping down and getting, you know, the fifth recast of, you know, Werewolf by Night in his fourth <laughs> sequel in this continuity recast iteration and just being like I made a choice somewhere in my life, and I'm not sure whether it was a good or a bad one. Stop the train. I want to get off. I'll say if they don't have simultaneous online and theatrical release by the time I'm 100, I will be very put out. Yeah. You raise a good point. Yeah. So, yeah, Marvel Cinematic Universe. My first question, just to order our thoughts here a little bit. Because it's it it kind of gets to the point of why are we why are we jumping into this topic right now? And just to to catch up any listeners, we've all seen Multiverse of Madness. If you have not seen Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness yet, and you are spoiler verse as we try to condition <laughs> our friends to be, you know, go this is not the episode for you. <laughs> go watch that and then come back here because it seems like you're interested in this kind of material. And maybe you're like me. You're not very good at watching things. You need a little bit of a shove. Go do that. It's fine. <laughs> we'll, we'll hold the space for you. You can come on back and you listen to this. We have all finished Moon Knight. I am only two episodes into Ms. Marvel. I think the rest of you might be current with that, but it doesn't seem to be have the same sort of 
consequences for large-scale narrative continuity going forward. Probably, maybe. There's yeah. some stuff in yeah. episode Maybe three some spoilers that, uh, that we want to avoid in regards to that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> <laughs> so, there's that. I can't tell if but, you two are fucking with me. I no, wish I was episode three with you. expands. Oh I really folks, wish folks, I was folks. fucking with you. Ms. Marvel bringing Thanos back. Uh, wait, shit, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> that would be a hell of a trick. I'm now fucking with you, but yes. <laughs> Episode three of Ms. Marvel dives into the origin of the her bangle, which is where she's getting her powers from. Oh, excellent. And okay. it's more than just a random bangle. And there's stuff and story and history going back. I think like 60 years okay. around it. And they explore that in the third episode. So well, we I've, will I've, avoid most of that I in am, this conversation. I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry for not being more prepared. <laughs> <laughs> the, you're 40 I, minutes behind the other three. So that's not right. so bad. <laughs> but, but you did have a question you were building to, I believe. Yes. Oh, thank you so much for yeah. remembering. <laughs> this is This is what we get from having hosts, Will. I know. We're so bad at this. <laughs> your question, your question. What problems does the Marvel Cinematic Universe face in the future going forward? In a way, the, what you were talking about before, about the whole, like, you know, we're going to get to phase 73. It, it's funny. I've been talking about this on a minor scale, but the way you put it helped me understand that. I think this is a problem for the MCU as well. The, in, here in June, I've been covering a lot of some of my favorite TV shows that have yet another season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stranger Things, The Umbrella Academy, The Boys. And with all of them, one of the questions I find myself asking is, is this really a show that needed another season? Mm-hmm. Like, is there an extent to which there's more story to tell? Or is there an extent to which the network said, okay, you finished the story, but this makes money. We don't want to try to find something new. Please make us a new season or some, you know, wherever that conversation happens. Sure. And I think that, you know, of those three shows I mentioned, I think some are more successful than others. I feel like the MCU is in a similar place right now. Like Mm -hmm. to me, Endgame, I think, was a fantastic stopping point. It's right there in the title. Yeah. Right. (laughs) I, I feel kind of like I feel like with some of those shows I just mentioned, there are moments that I'm particularly enjoying. I think Ms. Marvel is fantastic. I really liked a lot of Hawkeye. I, I, I've enjoyed various parts of the MCU, but there's an extent to which it, it does feel to me like this is no longer about we want to tell this story as much as it is this is the greatest cinematic cash cow that the world has ever seen. <laughs> We're never going to let it die. Yeah. And so let's just keep producing new content as, as long as we can. I think there was a very specific three-phase story that they had with the first M- first part of the MCU. Mm-hmm. And I just think we're never going to get back to that. And it's going to be – there's going to be good, there's going to be bad, but it's always going to feel like something's missing because of that. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree with, with that on mass, like, like just overall. Also, you know, I mean, if you look at the first three phases as like a chess game kind of, right? Because <laughs> endgame is like <laughs> a reference to the endgame of – of chess specifically, obviously a lot of other things, but it's like you had the opening in phase one, you had the middle game, phase two, end game, and you know, phase three ended with the end game. And now it's like, I feel like we're in like post-game analysis in phase four. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, they're actually kind of doing that, right? Like a lot of it's about kind of like sort of fallout from the first three phases. And I agree that end game would have been a great stopping point 
However, I feel like, okay, maybe that was something that set up this gigantic shared universe, but like you already did the huge, super high stakes, save the universe, save half the life in the universe or bring them back or whatever, like un, yeah, unfail at saving that, you know, whatever, like you did that. Maybe don't have anyone save the universe for like another decade, you know, maybe have a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, right? Instead of like maybe this multiversal calamity, maybe have Doctor Strange dealing with Mordo instead of this multiversal calamity. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe have, you know, uh, Kamala Khan dealing with just being a teenager in New Jersey instead of uh, spoilers for episode three and four. Like, but, you know, like, I mean, I won't get into what they do, but like they raise the stakes. And I often feel like, I, I don't need stakes that high, you know, mm-hmm. and maybe some people do. I feel like people don't collectively, though. I think there's a lot of stories that are smaller that do really well. I loved Moon Knight, you know, at no yeah. point in Moon Knight was like, was I like, oh, boy, I, I hope they save the world, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I rarely feel that about in any, any? show, you yeah. know, just like it, For sure. the, the, the stakes are, yeah. You know, the the personal character arc is always way more compelling than, you know, mm-hmm. the fate of yeah. life in the universe or whatever. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I think it's it's hard to keep getting back to that point, but it's all and it's also up until Endgame, you basically had like you know, it's kinda like an ensemble TV show, you know, like eventually if you keep if every season your ensemble adds new people to the ensemble yeah. and I'm looking at you stranger things, <laughs> eventually you're no longer telling an ensemble show, you're now telling Game of Thrones, <laughs> where it's like all these different things happening in different parts of the world. Like I'm I'm I loved Falcon the Winter Soldier, I really liked Hawkeye, both of which I think were much smaller pieces. It's hard for me to feel like there's any real cohesion to this world anymore. Mm. And and I think that's a it 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 becomes for me kind of harder for me to care. Like I am love I'm really enjoying Ms. Marvel. I'm not staying up to watch it. I'm gonna watch it when I get a chance, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think I think, yeah, there is that less of that like, oh my gosh, what it, it doesn't feel like what's my what's the next chapter in my favorite story anymore. It's just, oh hey, here's a thing on its own, here's this thing over here. I feel like I'm fine with that. Where I mean, first of all, like they aired Ms. Marvel opposite Kenobi. Like oh, so for, for several weeks, which I just like, what, what are you doing Disney? Like what, what was that about? And the day that the multiverse of madness came out, like all of those things came yeah. out on one day and Netflix is like, Oh, do you mind if we slip umbrella Academy in there on the same day? But yeah, I, I kind of feel like I like not feeling like I have to see everything. You know, okay. I felt when I found mm-hmm. out that what if was like Canon and like, was maybe going to be important. I was disappointed. Mm. I was like, I feel like it would have been nice to just see some stories that are just some stories. And like, let me just enjoy those stories on their own. And I do understand from a marketing standpoint, you know, feeling like, okay, we've got to make it, we need to make people feel like they need to see this right away. Right. Yeah. But like, yeah. I, I don't like that. I don't, I don't want to, I don't see the movies right away, you know, and Miss Marvel, I keep telling myself I'm going to wait till one of these shows is out all six episodes and I'm going to watch it. And I keep not doing it. I keep <laughs> just watching it because it's like, you know, like, all right, I'll watch this now. You know, we, Lee and I watch it together. But I, I feel like 
what I want out of the MCU maybe isn't what Disney wants out of the MCU. And like, yeah. that's maybe its biggest problem for me as a, <laughs> as a viewer, you know, is that like, I feel like they clearly do want to do what you're saying in terms of they want you to feel like you need to see everything. Whereas I'm like, there's definitely some of the upcoming shows I'm not going to watch, but the others that I'm, there's others where I'm like, Oh, that, yeah, I'll watch that for sure. You know? And I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to pick kind of which title I want to follow essentially, you know? Yeah. And because that's what that's what I meant is when I was saying like they're not doing that anymore. I I don't want them doing that. I think I don't. Oh, okay, I don't think yeah. you. I don't think you can have that. But yeah, right. I would have. I would have loved if I could have gotten three episodes into Loki, decided this isn't the show for me, and turned it off. Right. And I hate. And I feel like I could do that with Hawkeye. You know, mm-hmm. I could do that with Moon Knight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some of these others, though. Yeah, it's. I kind of wish they they would. Yeah, maybe have just that comic book world of maybe like, like I think it, back in the day you could have loved the Flash. And you could love the air, Arrow, and you could love whatever the Legends of Tomorrow, all the CW yeah. shows. Yeah. And then they would have a crossover. If you wanted to catch up for the crossover, you could, but you didn't need to watch all of them. Like, to me, yeah, that's a sure. great model of a shared universe. And part of me wonders if they are kind of moving a, at least a little bit towards that because they've got a, the move towards having so much of their content on streaming. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're doing the kind of Netflix, like, micro-targeting thing, right? Oh, like, yeah. And so you get like, you know, they feel a lot more comfortable having a show about Pakistani American teenager on a streaming service rather than putting the full weight of a marketing, you know, budget of a major motion picture behind it. I don't know if that's true or not, because the production on these is so enormous. Like you're we're really starting to blur the lines between movies and television shows here. But it's just something that. I've noticed. Will, I haven't heard much from you during this conversation. <laughs> Do you see any problems that uh, either piggyback, piggybacking off of Matthew or Paul's comments or going in your own direction, any problems that the MCU faces going forward? Yeah, definitely a problem of scale. Mm. I, th- I feel like phase four, if they're, if Marvel's quote unquote end game is <laughs> to have a realm of MCU content where people can go and pick and choose what they want to see, mm-hmm. then the bridge between the first three phases and that is going to be uncomfortable and a yeah. really odd growing phase where you have your Disney Plus shows that feel more contained and that at the same time you have your big movies like Eternals that has a giant statue of a dead celestial sticking out of the ocean. And you have heroes who have jumped around to different multiverses and started creating incursions and done reality shaking things. And I feel like at the end of that, eventually we'll have the MCU will just be like the area that you go to to consume whatever you want to check out uh just like how comics are now like the marvel comics i have the sickness of reading everything but there are (laughs) way more customers who are like i just want to read the avenger stories i just want to read the spider-man stories just want to read the x-men stories and i think eventually if the mcu itself as a concept is going to survive it has to get to that point where not every movie has to be 
in some way tangentially connected to the same overarching story. But like the the transition phase mm-hmm. from the Infinity Saga to the Anything and Everything Saga is is not going to be pretty. Yeah. I would also throw in some some different problem uh, some additional problems. I'm totally all on board with everything you all have been saying. Can I can I just add one yeah. bit but just following oh, up what Will said? Absolutely. And I think Will you were kind of I think you were kind of saying this maybe elucidating a little further. I think there's an extent to one of the ideas of a lot of these stories is okay, most of the world is exactly the way we know it, but there are superheroes. But there's an extent to which like once you're now 10, 15, 20 years into the world having superheroes, like the world's getting more and more different. And mm-hmm. as you said, like now that there's like mm-hmm. huge statues of celestials in the South Pacific and mm-hmm. multiversal incursions and multiple like part of why I like the TV show The Boys so much is it sort of posits like, yeah, superheroes have been around for a while and our world is fundamentally different. And I I, th- I think it was Ms. Marvel, I'm not sure, but there was some show I was watching recently where like someone had a superpower and people were like, oh my God, it's a superpower. And I was sort of watching like why is this still surprising? Like everyone knows people have superpowers, you know? <laughs> right. So yeah, I, I think it, 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 to me, that's where credulity starts to break is when it's like, I feel like the fundamental understanding and surprise level of people having powers would have just changed by now. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. They, they're going, they have to go through as their universe becomes more lived in. They have to go through a more. I I remember you somebody bringing up this uh, this this point on the podcast you recently recorded about uh, bringing the X Men into the MCU. Listeners, go check it out. It's a good one. But that we're past the point where it's you know noteworthy or or shocking that somebody has superpowers or or at least that it's totally unheard of and that if you had a kid who was born as a mutant, then what's the difference between that and you know, it, it, the the fundamental conflict between having a shared universe that is feels like its own place and yet keeps up so many of these traditional tropes about superhero origins, superhero duties, superhero superheroes as exceptional people or chosen in some way because of their powers that kind of strains against the uh, how common they are when and and how necessary it is to build that shared universe i have another topic for you know potential problem that it would face and that's just bringing in new fans you know disney is in the business of making money and telling the broadest stories they possibly can but they're also you know they've done very well serving a particular broad audience segment people who enjoy action movies and people who enjoy superheroes and kind of bringing that together and turning that into a major, major, major moneymaker and giant long-form story. But culture changes, people change, audiences age in or age out of something. And, you know, in in 20 years, is Star is is the MCU going to continue? in this sort of many releases per year content onslaught? Does it have to die down and and become more fond in people's memories like Star Wars? Or can it rejuvenate itself with new fans and new blood and new stories for those people? It's a good question. You know, (laughs) I don't know if there's like a 
an obvious answer. I, I do think like, if you look at, you know, just comic book and superhero stuff, like superheroes have been popular for a long time. Like there was a Superman TV show, you know, in what was it the forties or the fifties or like it was, mm-hmm. it was some time ago. Right. And there was a Batman yeah. TV show in the sixties and mm-hmm. you know, there, but the kind of more obscure and not even just more obscure, but like Marvel characters besides Spider-Man and maybe <laughs> the Hulk and maybe Captain America just, yeah. I think haven't had, haven't enjoyed broad popularity before this century basically. Mm-hmm. Right. And that has really exploded and to the point where they just feel ubiqu- ubiquitous, right? It just feels like they're like everywhere. I mean, when, I mean, DC isn't doing as well as Marvel in terms of, you know, box office movies, but like they still are pumping out, you know, series and animation all the time and still movies and movies and movies. <laughs> and, you know, and there's a new Batman every, you know, mm-hmm. eight to 10 years or whatever. Each decade has its own more or less. And, you know, it, it feels like, is that just going to be a permanent thing or like in 20 years or even 10 years or five years, like, will that wave kind of have crested, you know, yeah. cause it feels like it's actually still amplifying. It feels like it's still swelling, but I do feel like there's a point, maybe you kind of, you get oversaturated. And this is something people were talking about like 10 years ago, almost yes. when they had like, right. The first Avengers movie out. And it's like, well, clearly we weren't there yet, right? <laughs> clearly there was room to grow. Right? We know this now. And at the time I was like, yeah, I, I, I think people are going to be into this for a while. But like, I don't know, another 10 years from now, is that phase seven or something or six? Like, are, are we at that point, you know, is there more fatigue? Have they actually found ways of sort of, you know, rejuvenating or like getting more new fans in. And I, I think the answer is probably yes. I like, there will be some fatigue among a number of people and there already has been, but I think there've been more new people coming in than people exiting. Mm -hmm. And I think a show like Ms. Marvel seems very deliberately aimed at like, let's get, you know, let's get some yeah. teenagers or even, you know, yeah. younger kids, right? Because often people watch aspirationally, like shows about teenagers aren't necessarily aimed at teenage teenagers, right? right? Yeah. A lot of the time they're as much aimed at, at younger kids, like tweens or whatever, you know. Totally. So Yeah, I, I, I was actually even thinking before, I mean, I don't know how the hell these things work, but I know that Ms. Marvel has the lowest numbers of any of the Disney Plus shows so far. Some part of that is because it just hasn't caught on. Some part of it is probably because of people being stupid about the the what it's about. But probably a lot of that's because of Kenobi. And I do wonder mm-hmm. if maybe there's a little bit of intentionality there of like, let's give it some, like, we know we're doing a show that's not going to be as broadly marketable. For It should should be. It's fantastic. And, but I, and I do think that there's something valuable. I think there's something valuable to Disney starting to say, we're not going to try and do the lowest common denom- denominator. Let's get everyone in the door. But we're going to say, yeah, we're going to do the horror. Like I, people who love horror seem to really love Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> yeah. I'm both. I did not like that movie, but I'm really happy it got made. Yeah. I, I disagree yeah. with something because I'm like, good. I If you're starting to make more things that aren't ju- aren't for me, that's great. Yeah. To, to mm. the kind of larger question, I, I think about this a lot in terms of Star Wars as well, part because Star Wars is kind of my primary universe, mm-hmm. but also because I, I think at this point, Star Wars and the MCU are kind of the two most dominant 
forces sort of in you know media with with DC being up there as well and depending on how you how you define it and their animated shows and stuff like that DC's probably the top three you want to call three together Star Wars has this weird thing and you're kind of alluding to this Steve where there's basically three generations of Star Wars fans you know mm-hmm. were you a kid for the original series were you a kid for the the, the sequels were you a kid for the prequels and, and- and also, sorry, the just, right the the infrequency of the content allows you to be to remember it fondly to 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 yeah. you know to, it 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 warms in your memory like the 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 recent sort of resurgence of of people discovering and loving the the prequel movies you know despite how they well or poorly they may have been received when they first came out kind of speaks to that like you can find deep cuts and hidden gems and and a different yeah. sort of appreciation for these things decades after the fact. I'm not sure that's possible when you just all you when you have something new every other month. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Star Wars fans had 14 years to write fan fictions and do fan <laughs> art and come up yes. with you know like mm-hmm. it, 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 it it had time for the fandom to grow around it. And yeah, I I do wonder if maybe the MCU would be better if they did like take a couple year break after Endgame and then after mm-hmm. whatever this next hiatus will be or whatever. Paul, I think you brought up an interesting point in comparing this to the comics because the comics this is something the comics particularly fail at. Like hmm. you compare just just like bringing new people in, you compare the readership of comics to the readership uh, to the viewership of Marvel movies and you know, the superhero comics, they rely so much more heavily on, well, on people like Will. Let's take somebody who is invested and then just get them invested in everything. Let's milk right. them for every last drop we possibly can. Will is I have two jobs. His head. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, it's nominally there is sort of a pick and choose approach in the comics because there's so much published and, and some people do pop in and pop out. But I would say that Largely, it seems like the business strategy or what the comics have been successful at has been let's just, you know, get our invested fans to spend as much money as possible. Right. Milk the diehards. Yes. I think there's one other big factor here that is to some extent out of the MCU's control, Mm. which is what does the rest of Hollywood do? Because I I think part of the reason why people have a lot of MCU fatigue, and I think myself as being part of it, is that it, it, they're kind of sucking up all the oxygen in the room right now and in terms of the entertainment that's being put out. Mm-hmm. And part of that, I, I mean, I don't know enough about the politics and the insider baseball of Hollywood, and, but I, I do know that like part of that's you know, because they are so successful and that's what people want to do, but also because, I mean, for a number of other factors – People really aren't making like the number of kind of independent mid-budget movies has plummeted over the last ten years, and I I think that I think that if there is I think that that's starting to change. And that first of all, there's starting to be a lot more non-big name superhero TV shows and movies being made, mm-hmm. but also people are just making stories again about you know people that don't have superpowers and stuff, <laughs> and and. I think that we have no idea what the entertainment industry is going to look like in 10 years, but it's probably going to look fairly different than what it does today. And I think that the amount of fatigue people have about the MCU, one of the factors will be what proportion of the entertainment that's out there Mm. is the MCU or MCU Star Wars DC creating. Because if it's still that, like, 
you know, I think in the last couple of years, like seven or seven or eight of the top ten movies every year are MCU or Star Wars or DC or stuff like that. I'm making these numbers up, but it's something <laughs> along those lines. Yeah. I, I think if that doesn't go down, then we're I, I think I think if that goes down, that would probably make the fatigue a lot easier. Because then it also would feel like, yeah, well, I'll watch the MCU stuff I want to watch, but also I'm watching all this other stuff. Absolutely. I think Disney has, I mean, first of all, being allowed to buy 20th Century Fox was just absurd. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, they, they have more than 50% of the market share. Like you just, yeah. you can't allow that. You can't yeah. let that happen. Yeah. Right. Just like in a legal sense, in terms yes. of having any sort of competition. Yeah. And yes. then they also have some atrocious business products. I mean, business practices, mm-hmm. if their products weren't so delightful um, uh, <laughs> so often, then then I would just not, you know, and I, I mean, I think about like, maybe just don't watch any of those, you know, right. but like, but I got myself into podcasting and here we are. <laughs> <laughs> it's tragic. It really is. It's tragic. It's a trap. It's a trap. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the fact that Disney and then specifically, you know, Marvel Disney and Star Wars Disney have just such a huge percentage of, you know, the market and of attention, right, of the conversation. I think it's just really detrimental to the entertainment industry overall. But it also, I think, at some point might sort of become a little bit of a black hole where it kind of implodes on itself a little bit. Maybe it won't. I think the 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 paradox is that like if like you're saying, Matthew, it that became a smaller percentage, mm-hmm. then maybe the fatigue would be reduced. But I kind of think it's only going to become a smaller percentage after the fatigue has <laughs> occurred. Like that's what's going to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Maybe some other sort of developments are, are going to change that. I don't know. I, I do think that it is like logistically easier. It is more feasible for people to create low budget content than it used to be, Mm -hmm. right? Like the tools are there both of creation and of distribution. And so I would like to see a lot more of that. The the trouble is that like, it's hard to compete with those low budget things with the really high budget things, right? And what happened is that the whole mid budget kind of disappeared, like you're saying, you know? And so if there was some way to have a little bit more kind of the mid budget or like upper low budget or something that like could kind of compete on the same level as some of the big budget stuff. You know, I, I think that would be nice. You know, I, I, I would appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I I did do a quick check. And so of, of the top 10 movies from 2021, all five of them were Marvel or DC. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The top four were the top five was not from one of the the, the big three series we just mentioned. It was a Fast and the Furious movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. That was yeah. What, is that ten? Is that nine? Ten? What that, nine. Yeah, and then and then That's the other nine. one in the top ten was a James Bond movie. Um, right. Okay. So yeah. these are yeah. all mega franchises with yeah. at least nine installments <laughs> in yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So what's the best way to make you know to to get people to come? to your movie is ha- have a bunch of movies that came before it. That's right, not right. good for. And, and I think, I think there's a central part of what Paul's saying there is because part of it is that when you are that huge a budget, people are very risk adverse, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I, I think it's the same reason why, like, you know, if you're Netflix or Hulu or, or Amazon and you want to invest a hundred million dollars into a, into a, your big series, season three of something you already know is a winner is a much safer bet than, something else. And I think that's the, 
I think, yeah, if we start to see more of the return to those mid-range things, I think you're seeing a lot more of, I just think you're going to see them on as Netflix releases and Amazon releases and stuff like that. Sure. I don't, yeah, for sure. Like it, totally outside the genre, but Fire Island to me is a, fa- it's a fantastic movie. It's a rom-com. It's a gay rom-com, <laughs> but it's very much the kind of movie that like, you know, Meg Ryan would have been in 15 years ago. And it would have been a Hollywood release. Now, I think that movie is almost always going to be a Netflix release. Right. And yeah. That's not bad. But yeah, absolutely. Which, that's fine sure. with me. Right. Yeah. 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 I prefer that on a personal level, you know? <laughs> a lot safer. I don't want to go to yeah. the theater. <laughs> so I wanted to switch gears here. And, and we talked a, a lot at the start of this conversation about, you know, some of our trepidations about multiversal calamities. And, you know, we did time this movie right now or this podcast episode right now for a reason. And and that is all of the things that multiverse of madness brings up in, you know, the Easter eggs for Mr. Fantastic and Charles Xavier, the, well, the multiversal calamity that, the mm-hmm. you know, it points towards broader problems of incursions and multiversal conflict. This is something that they've done, you know, two movies in a row now, it seems to be that they're building towards a theme with this for Loki. And so getting back to the episode question, where should the MCU go from here? Let's first talk about multiverse and just kind of like see what we would like to, to see happen with this multiverse theme or, or plot that's going in. And then let's get into X-Men and the Fantastic Four as the two sort of topics that came from Doctor Strange 2. Will, do you want to start us off? Honestly, I I've talked I talk about this on my Twitch a lot, but mm-hmm. like I don't want multiverse in my MCU. Mm-hmm. Hashtag not my MCU. <laughs> so primarily because the existence of a multiverse and having characters that you can just pick and choose from any reality of reduces the impact of the sacrifice play. Mm. When you have a scene like an end game where Natasha sacrifices herself to get the soul stone. Mm-hmm. If that within one phase, within just like two movies, they could just go and pull another Natasha also played by uh, Scarlett <laughs> Johansson from another universe with her own history and bring her to this one and give Clint like closure and give Yelena another big sister again. And like, they do shit like this in comics. It, all they do the that time. in the comics a lot. And it's well, terrible. No. Well, I guess in the they comics, they already did it in Endgame. Ex- so exactly, Gamora. So right? and yeah. that's yeah. my that's the thing that pisses me off. So <laughs> they brought Gamora from 2014 up to 2023 and just left her here. And yeah. then in What If in the season finale, they took a Black Widow that was the only survivor on her reality Mm. and dropped her off in another reality that only lost a black widow. And that was her (laughs) reward from Uatu for being so instrumental in fighting Ultron vision, crazy infinity gem man. But like (laughs) that happened. And so now we know, Oh, people can just get dropped off from other universes and exist. But then I guess it's slightly addressed because then we get the plot line from Multiverse of Madness, where when a character from another universe stays too long in a wrong universe, an incursion can incur, can occur. Yeah. And 
the threat of both universes being destroyed becomes very real. Probably not a good idea to linger around. Yeah. Probably not a good idea to have left. But why does Uatu not know this? Or because they decided Mm. this way later. But like, it's just, there's got to, there's going to be a point where I can't use the MCU's history as reasons to debunk a story that happens in the MCU. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I don't know. That's going to be weird. Mm. Yeah. I, it's interesting. I, I really don't like the multiverse for totally different reason. Although I completely support all of that as well. <laughs> for me, it's that I think part of what I, part of why I, for the most part, like the Marvel characters better than the DC characters. Although not across the board by any means, Batman is still my number one is the relatability is Peter Parker has problems like I had in high school, you know, and the the things that the characters go through are things that I, I don't have the superpowers, but like the ethical decisions they wrestle with are ones that I can either personally understand or have some like see the political ramifications of and things mm-hmm. like that. I don't have any idea how metaphysics work. <laughs> I don't under and I I I, I it it is possible that some that somewhere in Kevin Feige's brain is a completely realized, fully logically consistent understanding of how the multiverse works. And it's possible maybe that has been fully realized on screen and I just missed it. <laughs> or it will be. But no. I, I, but I don't <laughs> I don't want the next 10 years of stories to revolve around how many angels can dance on the head of which metaphysical pin. Great. Like great to point. me, that's that's not that's fun for a movie. But I just don't want that. And I, that was to me why, like, Loki and then, yeah, especially, Paul, what if the end, the end couple episodes of what if made me so angry? Because I was like, I, the point was literally let this be a hypothetical. Let this right. not – once now this is relevant too, now I've got to figure out – and then I had to, I had to watch – part of why I didn't like Multiverse of Madness was I was sitting there watching these different versions of Strange trying to figure out, are any of these related to the Strange from What If, who, like, destroyed a universe and is now – because he was chasing Christine the whole time, and this one's chasing Christine. I don't know. I don't want to care. I don't want to have to care. (laughs) And and that's kind of – actually gets to a different problem that we didn't discuss, which is – we kind of touched on a little bit, but the expectation of seeing everything – it becomes different when it's all movies versus some movies and some TV shows. Like you, you lose an aspect of like, Oh yeah, this was all in the same place. You can come and and see the next movie and then the next movie or no, you don't have a Disney plus account. So are we really, is, is Marvel really going to put necessary plot points into Disney plus shows or are they going to be a little more incidental a little less, you know, required reading. And is that going to affect the outcome of the product and how much we care? (laughs) Another good question that I feel like there's no clear answer, right? Like it seems like. What would you prefer if, if you had one or the other? I prefer that the movies weren't necessary to understand the TV shows. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because for Mm -hmm. the most part, I've enjoyed the TV shows more than there's only one movie since Endgame that I really loved. Yeah. And uh, the shows, maybe there's only one that I really loved the entirety of, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, everything, there's always like, well, there was this thing or whatever, but like, overall, I really loved Moon Knight. I thought it was a great show. Mm-hmm. I thought it executed fully on its premise and 
then it set itself up to have either an interesting season two or have those characters go off and be in some other show. And Mm -hmm. I actually really like the idea of most of the shows being limited series, but then those characters existing in the broader universe and, and showing up right in other places, either in a team up, like, like Netflix, instead of doing a Luke Cage season two and a a Iron Fist season two, they could have had heroes for hire. Now, Mm -hmm. granted, one of those shows was a little bit better than the other show. (laughs) And, you know, but having said that those two series in season two, um, some of the better parts of those were actually the crossovers, right? And so yeah. they did that mm-hmm. a little bit there. And I expect they'll do some stuff like that. But I think, you know, just being like, yeah, we'll just do a new title, you know? Yeah. I, I kind of liked how Ant-Man and the Wasp was titled Ant-Man and the Wasp instead of mm-hmm. Ant-Man 2, yeah. you know? Because it really was like, okay, now we have two title characters, yeah. you know? And so I think, you know, if, I mean, they kind of already went down the road of having TV shows that then they pretended didn't exist. <laughs> and I don't love that, right? And I, f- but I feel like there is room between such and such is totally irrelevant, yeah. and such and such can enhance your understanding of or enjoyment of the other movie or series, but isn't essential to to understanding it basically. And that's where I would try and settle. Would be like, yes, all of these things complement each other very well, mm-hmm. but. I, I mean, I don't want to have a whole bunch of movies that like you have to see the previous one to understand. You know, I, I would like more standalone things. Yeah, I, I think I'm mostly with that, with a couple of caveats that I like for me, I have a lot of hope about the fact that there's not going to be a Hawkeye season two, but there's going to be Echo. Mm-hmm. That character's getting her own TV show, which will probably continue. Like, I'm sure the bros will be a big part of that. You know, I'm sure it'll continue right. a lot of the same storylines of of Hawkeye. I think that for me, there's a dual double-edged sword in that I don't want to feel like I, I, I think they're going to always want, you know, everyone to get, be able to go to the movies. And especially when some TV shows aren't allowed in some parts of the world or people mm. don't have access to Disney plus, you know, for obvious reasons, they're going to want the numbers of the, the movies to be as high as possible. I don't begrudge that. And I think in some ways it's good. I don't, I don't want to feel like I have to do my homework to go watch any particular thing. The flip side to me is when it, it's not that. I am not being rewarded for not watching the TV show. It's that the thing I'm seeing in the movie doesn't make sense based on something that I saw on the TV show, you know? And oh, like, yeah. And I think that's where I, I start to lose where, where, and, and that can also be the, the same way too, where, I mean, with some of the TV shows, there have been some moments where we're like, okay, but why aren't the Avengers coming to solve this problem? You know, right. like the, a literal god was rising up out of the South Pacific. I think Doctor Strange <laughs> might have some thoughts. Might notice. Might just kind of see and be like, "Now what's yeah. all this then?" Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and I think that's the. And I and here again, I'm, I, Star Wars has done so many things wrong. I'm not going to say that that's the perfect one. I think Star Wars can learn an awful lot from the MCU. I think though that Star Wars has done a very good job, for the most part, of setting up this kind of dichotomy of. If you read the books, it'll help you to understand the TV shows. But you can watch the TV shows without the books. If you watch the TV shows, it'll help you to understand the movies. Mm. But you can watch the movies without either the TV shows or the books. But in both cases, like, those things add, like, you know, they go to a planet. And if you read a book, you know that this planet is the place where this other cool stuff happened. But it doesn't take away the, the mm. your enjoyment of it. And I think that's that's a model I would like if it was sort of... Reading more, watching more, let me add to it. 
but I didn't feel like I had to do my homework. And I also didn't feel like things were completely like, as Paul said, you know, why were none of the, you know, the, the defenders ever showing up when Mm -hmm. Spider-Man was doing stuff in New York city. It didn't make sense. Totally. I I will say there's one, uh, yet another thing that I'm afraid of in the multiverse plot. And it's related to what you're saying about keeping characters around. Like you can, you can read any given X-Men comic and they're, you know, in addition to all of, you know, this giant ensemble cast of all these characters who have their own lives and things and dramas to worry about. You also have Rachel Summers, Phoenix, you have Bishop and you have Cable and they're from three different (laughs) alternate timelines (laughs) and they're all just hanging. And and sometimes there are even more, but those are the ones who who are now like permanent. Sometimes you have semi-permanent ones who are there for, yeah, exactly. And it's just absurd and nobody should live that way. (laughs) So I really hope that the MCU doesn't go down that path, but I'm wondering what would a good resolution in, in your mind to the multiverse plot be? I think it's intractable. Okay. Honestly, yeah. I, I just think it's untra- intractable. Like there are two multiverse m- animated movies that I absolutely love. One of them's Justice League: Crisis on Two Earths. Mm-hmm. It's about two Earths, <laughs> not not a ton, right? I mean, yeah, it has the whole thing, but it's like it basically focuses on two. Sure, I love it. The movie ends and it's over. Yeah, right. There's another one that has a bit of a multiverse thing that I also enjoy in some ways, Injustice, right? But Mm -hmm. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, also, I think, fantastic. Fantastic movie. So well done. I'm not excited for the sequel. As much as I love the movie, Mm. I'll watch the sequel, and maybe it'll be amazing, and I'll love it, and I'll be like, okay, cool, great, you know? (laughs) But, like, I felt like that was a movie that had a story. It told the story. It was great. Okay, go tell me another totally different story. Yeah, you know? it's like yeah. it's like narrative bloat is essential to a multiverse story. Yeah, <laughs> right, know? exactly. Like, and and can we if we can get one without the other, that's great. But it seems to be extremely rare. Yeah, like I, to me. It, so first of all, quick funny aside that I can now tell the story on air because enough time has passed. But if you have okay. not yet seen everything everywhere all at once, oh, I haven't. Spoil. I, th- I thought you said you have. No, oh, no, I okay. haven't. We definitely would have talked about it if I'd seen it. I'll take my <laughs> headphones out. You talk about it. Okay. Give me a <laughs> so, spoilers for it. If you haven't, if you haven't seen it, skip ahead a couple of minutes. So, I went to see Doctor Strange, and I did not love it. My partner and I were both like, "Well, you know." And then I kept, he- I kept hearing, "You've got to go see everything all, all at once." And the only thing someone had told me about it was a friend of mine who is the parent of uh, Im- Asian immigrants said, this movie so spoke to my experience as the child of immigrants. And mm. I was like, oh, okay, this is a story about people. This is a story about families. This is yes. exactly the kind of thing. Yes. And literally, I'm sitting in the theater. I've got my popcorn. I say to my spouse, Mary, I'm really looking forward to this. Thank God it's not going to be any multiversal nonsense. It's just a movie about <laughs> And then it turns out to be the best multiverse story I've ever seen in my life. Well, because, yeah. because you're right. It was it was the high concept sci-fi multiverse thing was only a story conceit. It wasn't necessary. I mean, it was necessary to tell the story, but it was yeah, the, more as a metaphor than anything else. The and metaphysics of it didn't make any sense, and they weren't supposed to make any sense. No, no. And and yeah, I you know, Will it's funny, by contrast, the one thing Will told me. Because he 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 took me to go see everything everywhere when he was here in Brooklyn. The one thing he told me was, "Yeah, it's uh, it's a, vo- a multiverse thing," 
And uh-huh. I was like, well, that's all I knew about it. And yeah. I was like, that's well, hilarious. If, if, exact uh, opposite. If, if, if you want to see it, I guess I'll go see this movie with you. Sure. And all then right. it turned out to be one of the best movies I've ever seen in my entire life. All right. I'll, I'll now continue my point okay. spoiler free so yeah. we can bring back Paul. Paul. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. I will say I do want to see that movie. I feel like I've seen so many multiverse related things. I understand that that has something to do with the premise. I haven't seen it, but like, I, I kind of want to like cleanse yeah. mm-hmm. a little bit, you know what I mean? No. And then be like, okay, let me just take this movie as it is not watching it within the context of thinking about these other movies. I'm, that per- I'm particularly taking. sensitive to that. Cause I just finished stranger things mm. after having two major character development <laughs> spoiled for me. That was oh, very uh, annoying to me. So oh, yeah, but, the, the larger point I was going to make is, to me, the perfect thing w- would be that in one of the upcoming movies, we get Kang the Conqueror, we get the whole story of the of that, and then it's just done. And whatever <laughs> happened in Loki is fixed, and maybe a couple of characters have crossed from one universe to another, but then the gates are back up, the dimensions are back up, all the shenanigans, and we go back to a non-multi-universal world. 100% with you. I, I totally agree. I think Kang is a fun enough character that it will be worth having a good Kang story, but you can't. And the actor tell playing him, of, yeah, the actor yeah, playing him is phenomenal. Yes, so I'll watch him. Yeah, yeah. but like that means that everybody in every other universe all dies. Like that's horrible. <laughs> that's horrible. That's a terrible ending of a well, story. It depends on how you tell the. Okay. I mean, can you have them all fracture and then no longer be only four angels on that pin? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so what I'm so my takeaway from Multiverse of Madness. This is how this is uh... how my head canon works in order yeah. for in order for Multiverse <laughs> of Madness to make sense. So in Multiverse of Madness, America says she's been to seventy two different universes. Right. There's no way that she has traveled and experienced these 72 other universes in the time it has taken for Loki to break the multiverse and then us get this movie. So in my head canon, Kang is preserving what he considers the sacred timeline, but keeps it from interacting with the rest of the multiverse that has always existed this entire time. Hmm. And the multiverse of madness, we're getting a view into a universe that has already been parts of other multiverse stories, which we yeah. know they did from Christine giving backstory. But the multiverse has always existed, but our sacred timeline has been kept separate from all that. And the TVA's job was to keep it so there was only ever one timeline on this sacred timeline. And then with the end of Loki killing you know the one who <laughs> remains brings the sacred timeline into the rest of the multiverse as opposed which had to already creates existed. the multiverse yeah. and i i enjoy your headcanon well but oh, you, you're, 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 you're fine no you're fine matthew <laughs> okay he's <laughs> we're like done that. with metaphysics no no well, but you no. it it's one of those things where you, you explain that to me and i'm like huh yeah that works it's not like, oh, wow, this really deepens my enjoyment of the story. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like you could tell a story that's not an action story that's, like, for a very specific audience that would be interesting with a lot of that stuff going on. I, I feel like actually doing it justice while also trying to have character beats 
and a ton of action and like whatever other special effects can like it's only just, be accomplished by a movie as good as everything everywhere all at once. Like you put okay. a, an entire, a really high bar on the storytelling. Right. And, yeah. and it's just, I, I don't think it's going to happen. You yeah. know, no, and, no, no spoilers. And, Let's stop with spoilers. Yeah. yeah. And, but during, I mean, during, I mean, in the MCU, I don't think it's going to happen. And like, <laughs> yeah. if, if, well. if you look at, yeah, if you look at Loki and you look at the two most recent, you know, uh, MCU movies, like, I mean, I mean, Will, I guess you, you came up with an explanation, you know, but like watching those, I was like, I don't see how these have anything to do with one another, you know, like they're all about the same concept, sort of tangentially, but like they, it to me felt it's like different takes of the same thing. Yeah. Which like when you're in the same giant connected universe, that kind of doesn't work that well. Now you Absolutely. can do things where different people have a different understanding of some particular phenomenon, right? Or like, like there could be some power, like in Star Wars, like, you know, you've got Jedi and you've got Sith and then you've got other people who have their own understanding of the force. And you could have even more different versions of that than we see much in Star Wars, right? I think Moon Knight did a fantastic job of that with saying like, this is Mark Mark's understanding of the afterlife as through an mm. Egyptian perspective, you know, mm. without trying to be like, this is the actual metaphysical afterlife in the MCU, just mm. like, this is a version of it. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that that worked for you on that level. I yeah, felt like I had to sort of, that feels like substantial headcanon to me, which that's is fair. fine. But it definitely didn't feel to me like they explicitly did. That was that was to me, you know, the the sort of low point of the show in terms of I was That's like, fair. all right, I guess we're doing this now. And then they did it really well. But it also still to me, I was <laughs> like, I don't totally understand how all these Egyptian gods have been around all this time. And there's this afterlife thing and like how any of this fits with any of the other stuff that's been going on in the MCU, you know? Yeah, I think that's part of the growing pains yeah. Of, yeah. of what the MCU wants to be and what it currently is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I'm about to say something very self-serving for all of us, but I think there's some truth to it. I think one of the things that keeps these things so popular are the conversations that people get to have when one has been finished and they're waiting for the next one. Mm. And a lot of those conversations happen on podcasts and TV shows. A lot of it's also just water coolers and emails and Facebook groups. And Twitter and TikTok. Yeah. The friends we made along the way. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And and for me, other people may feel differently, but for me, if the discussion is like, oh, what's going to happen with these characters? Or who's going to take what side in this coming conflict? Or just what Mm -hmm. color is this person's uniform going to be? Those are interesting to me. The metaphysics just isn't. Like, I love the MCU podcast so much. It's what got me into podcasting. I love listening to them talk about the meaning of things and then what's going to happen next. For like four episodes before Multiverse of Madness, they went into all this metaphysics stuff, and I just turned it off. I just don't care. Yeah. I think you said, Steve, you're right. It, it, it's just not going to add to the enjoyment. What I think, though, the other way you can do it is if you get with Kang the Conqueror to some point where even if the incursion stuff happens, we don't have to care about it. Like, mm-hmm. Paul, I was thinking about what you were saying about Spider-Verse. I definitely don't want another movie about the Spider-Verse, but I 100% want another Miles Morales movie. Oh, sure. And I'll take a Miles Morales movie that has none of those other people in it, Mm. but if you can give me a Miles Morales movie that has Spider-Noir in it, I'll take it because (laughs) Spider-Noir is amazing. (laughs) 
And so if the movie Fair just point. starts, if the movie just starts with, whoops, the stars aligned weirdly and all these characters jumped into this universe and we're not going to explain you why, we're just going to tell you how Miles Morales is going to deal with this person from his rogues gallery, but Gwen Stefani and spider kick, not Gwen Stefani. <laughs> no, no, uh, this is spider getting better Stefani. and better. Wait, no. This is, <laughs> this is the multiverse I actually want. This is no spider Gwen and spider pig and spider noir. If all of them are helping, great. I'll I'll happily have that movie. I but I don't I don't I don't want to watch another movie about like oh no will they all get back home to their universes? That's mm, right, right. Mm-hmm. That's that's level multiverse and it's a tired trope. Yeah, yeah. I, at some point, if they just kind of go from one verse to another, like they have like wristwatches that let them travel and they like solve problems. Yeah, it's basically just like another planet in Star Wars or another town exactly. in yeah. X Files or whatever. Quantum leap. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Like it doesn't matter that it's a multiverse. Yes. The multiverse thing just allowed you to have a bunch of different spider people. Right. And they're all right. great. And so it works. But when the multiverse is like the plot itself, mm-hmm. then it, that's when you're yeah. like, all right. <laughs> all right. I think we're all pretty exhausted on the concept of multiverse. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Will, did you, did you have, I, w- I would like to hear from you how you'd like to see the multiverse concept or plot line resolved. In a way that I find acceptable. Yeah. What would you? What would you? What's what's a what's a version of the story that you would enjoy? I thought that I was just your answer. Tolerant. I want to resolve the way I find Honestly, yeah. I just I agree with the general sentiment. I think getting rid of the multiverse or restoring the sacred timeline is going to be the best case scenario for <laughs> the MCU. Okay. As far as far as like scale and scope of stories that they're going to tell. Mm. keep it with one universe and but like if you want to accept that there is a multiverse and you want to tell other stories like what if stories that take place in other universes that's fine (laughs) but they don't need to mess with whatever your prime avengers story you want to tell is yeah yeah cool well let's switch gears here and talk about X-Men and the Fantastic Four briefly before going into, I want to finish off with just a quick popcorn of major, of any plots that we'd like to see them do in the future, whether it's a major like multi-phase super plot like the Thanos saga or whether it's something smaller. So I'd like to finish with that. But first, just uh, real quick on uh, X-Men and Fantastic Four. Do you, do you see good opportunities there? Because obviously they're going to happen and Multiverse of Madness showed us at least a glimpse of what they could be doing with them or what could be their intentions going forward with Patrick Stewart as Professor X in the classic chair, et cetera, et cetera, and John Krasinski as Reed Richards, grizzled, bearded, and so on. I thought they were just trolling with that. Yeah. Like- like it, it really just felt like a boner joke, like <laughs> you know, or like I, I felt like Kingpin was also a troll in the, the Hawkeye series. Wow, you know, interesting. I, I had such the, I had the exact opposite reaction to all three. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I feel like they're like this isn't necessarily what we're gonna do, and we're kind of just messing with you. Like, like we want to elicit a big fan reaction, but then we're gonna do what we're gonna do. I mean, especially the way. Basically, all of those characters went out. I, I do think, I think fitting the X-Men in is really tricky. And not just the X-Men, but like mutants, right? Because mutants are supposed to have been around for a long time. 
And yeah. like, there's so many secret groups that have been around in like a clandestine, oh, clandestine <laughs> sort of fashion. <laughs> and like, it really gets to the point where it's like, okay. I mean, I guess you could just have mutants have been there the whole time and just, it wasn't a big deal until now, all of a sudden it is for whatever reason, but like, uh, can you do that? I think I you, can. you can. I, right? I, th- I think the, I think you have you have a scene where it's uh, you know it's like oh yeah Professor X has been whatever like somebody comes it, it it becomes clear that they're a mutant and you know in order to avoid a scene we bring them to the school we erase the memory of them and then someone's like well why weren't you helping with Thanos that was a big deal right and he says who's to say we weren't and we get like right. one quick scene of you know all like all the X-Men photoshopped into the climactic battle with Thanos and they're all like cloaked or something I mean he, Xavier could have just wiped everybody's exactly. minds right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. true it's you, true. you you have the ultimate a wizard did it get out of free yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew seems to dissent from this <laughs> yeah so we talked about this some on that other podcast and i, I want to give credit as well to uh, miles yeah. stokes who's the one of the hosts of jay and miles explain the x-men because he really helped bring up this point but i think it's true and i think it's kind of what we're all talking about and i would say here i have never experienced the x-men in a larger universe mm-hmm. i have primarily experienced the x-men in their movies in which they are the superheroes of the day And one of the things that I love so much about the X-Men stories is this idea of there are people and there are mutants. And and it, I think, does that thing I was sort of talking about before of it says, how would society change if there was this now whole new group of people that were so different from humanity and nothing had ever been seen like it before? I don't think you can do that. Certainly, I don't think it makes sense to say, okay, we're going to have all this cultural discrimination against mutants. But the Fantastic Four and the Hulk and Avenger, like, they're all fine. And I, I, again, in comics, I'm sure they found ways to do that in ways that it makes sense because there are that, – that integration has happened. But, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to the X-Men and the MCU, but I would much prefer it if it was – this is the part of the multiversal story we'll get is that we get a story of the X-Men happening on their own worlds, you know? Yeah. And then maybe, like, one or two of our characters fall through into that world, you know, but that it's mostly about – like th- my personal favorite theory right now is that we keep he- we keep having these like sidekick kid characters develop little powers, like Spider Man's buddy whose name I forget, who can like oh, Ned. Ned, yeah. Ned, yeah, like let Ned be a mutant, and Ned winds up crossing over into that, and he goes to the Xavier School. We get a TV show or a movie in the Xavier School. Like I I love that kind of a thing. I I don't know how you can bring like have all those characters just show up in the MCU six one six as it is now. Because I don't know, what, what are the X-Men without all those stories? If they're just individual characters without being the X-Men with all the mutant stuff they bring with it. I Maybe that would be worth a story. I just don't know. I think that would be maybe best for the X-Men, but I think it would be the worst for the MCU. I think that the whole point is you have this big playground and everybody, you know, shows up together. So I I would be worth uh, to me it would be worth taking the narrative lumps of of whatever contortions you have to do in order to get the broader picture of you know one big house and everybody's playing together in it. Am I wrong about this? Or in the comics are not all the X Men stories about like mutant oppression? Yeah, a lot of them are just like we're gonna be superheroes who are also mutants. 
Right. Yeah. Like the, the movies seem yeah. like they very heav- heavily focused on the whole anti-mutant thing and like Magneto always being this very, <laughs> you know, sort of mutant separatist or, you know, whatever his agenda is. Yeah. Magneto is in a very small fraction of X-Men comics compared to being in Absolutely. every single movie. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like, maybe that's just a way to go is just, yeah. Yeah, like, I don't think I want it to be all the stories, but to me, that's that's the best part of the story. It, it is the linchpin, me. yeah. Will, when Matthew was talking a second ago, he brought up something else. We we talked about it briefly before you joined the, the pod here, but or before we started recording. But um, they also in Multiverse of Madness, they said that they called the MCU universe number 616. I'm certain you have feelings about that, and I just want <laughs> Dude, to give you a, a safe fan. space. To, to to express yourself. I'm not a fan. We already have a 616, which, which makes this situation weird because in our regular human world, the MCU universe has already been designated Earth 199999 or something like that. Yeah. And so from the comic book perspective, Earth 616 is what's referred to as like the prime universe or like the main universe that people experience all the stories in. But they also brought this up, I think, no, this was in Injustice, where every universe considers itself its prime universe. And from their perspective, they look at other worlds and say, oh, well, that one is is Earth 12, whereas from our perspective, that's actually Earth 36. So... If I keep that approach in mind, yeah, I'm more okay with it. <laughs> but I understand why they did 616 because it's like the greatest nerdy Easter egg for, comic for nerds. Book nerds to have. But that's also the only group that's going to get upset about this. <laughs> right, yeah. right. It's like I, they made a rotten Easter egg. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> I think if there's one overriding aspect it's don't do it for the nerds we are yeah. the nerds and we say no <laughs> yeah. dear god anybody but us well then it's weird because it gives mysterio extra credit because mysterio said yeah we call this earth 616 and then you get to multiverse right. of madness and christina's like yeah we actually designated you guys earth 616 but mysterio's approach was from a fake <laughs> yeah i'm from here yeah i just so made true. this up Maybe Mysterio Thanks. knew about the multiverse and had talked no, to people from 838 no, no, and pretended no. to be from wherever, but wasn't. So, here I'm going to truly, once and for all, earn my dirty casual uh, label. Because I'm going to say why I liked that they named it 616, and I yeah. know that it pissed off the nerds, and I think that's good. Oh, okay. No, I would really good. like to hear this take, yeah. Because to me, what it said, if by doing that, what they are saying is that the things that have occurred in the comic books that are the non-MCU-specific comic books yeah. are not even in the same multiverse as the mm-hmm. MCU. Mm-hmm. And to right. me, that's that's important. Because part of what, like, we have already gone through, to me, the least, and again, again I'm not a comic book person, so hit me with all those slings and arrows, that's fair. <laughs> For those people who are comic book people, I respect why you want that to be important. But I think one of the worst parts of fandom, and I come from the Star Wars fandom, I've seen bad fandom. <laughs> I think one of the worst parts of the MCU fandom is the, no, but it's supposed to be like this in the comic book. Mm. No, it's supposed to be mm-hmm. like that in the comic mm-hmm. book. And totally. 
to me, if you yeah. leave that open, if you say that this is 617, because in the on-screen multiverse, the comic book ver version is an MCU, now you're just opening up all of those doors to, wait, so when is when are we going to go to the real 616 on screen? When are, like, uh, just, and I just, I don't want any of that. I want on point. screen to be, I want there to be an iron wall, you know? Yeah. So this, they dropped the iron curtain and I'm happy with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that's how I see it as well. There's like the comic yeah. book multiverse and the cinematic multiverse. They're never going to cross. <laughs> and I'm with you because if if they brought in like, you know, MCU Captain America for the next comics crossover, you know, I would be, it, that would be gross. It would feel yeah. dirty to me. <laughs> That's Disgusting. Fair. Be like, what's this guy coming from the moon for in these <laughs> comics? Yeah. Okay. And, and Fantastic oh. Four, do we have any? Oh, sorry. Will. All right. For just mutants in the MCU. Yeah. Yeah. I made a comment about this on the podcast. Uh, the X-Men podcast post on the straight on the Strand Panda network. Yeah. But for me, mutants and the X-Men and the Morlocks and all the groups of mutants that exist are different ways of telling stories about oppression and bigotry and prejudice mm -hmm. and mm. overall racism. And then you get into the front, like friends of humanity and religious organizations that are anti-mutant and all this other stuff. So for me, as a avid comic book reader, it is hard for me to imagine a story about mutants that doesn't involve that. Mm -hmm. And so if multiverse or if MCU does mutants, then to me, that opens up the door for Disney to tell very serious topics, mm. very serious stories Definitely. about race. Like it, Racism gets touched on in Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Prejudice gets mentioned on the side in some conversations in Miss Marvel. But the bigger picture, and then do you tell stories of religious bigotry about uh, anti-mutant sentiment, sentiment? Like, do you go down that path? I don't see Disney... And the MCU doing that. Mm, yeah. But I don't see them do being tell, up to the task. Yeah. Right. So, how do you tell a mutant story that's light on bigotry? <laughs> and mm. so, I'm really, it's more that I'm really curious to see how they do it, not yeah. necessarily that I'm excited for it to happen. <laughs> Fair. Let me ask this given, given that we're coming from very different places with it, so I understand what the bar is you're setting. From my perspective, Compared to other big Hollywood movies, the X-Men movies did a pretty decent job of bringing some of those stories in. Are so. you saying that yeah. you think Disney wouldn't go to the level that those movies went to? Or are you saying that those movies were nowhere close to the movie? Or are you saying that you're worried that Disney would stay at that level when they really should go much further than what the previous X-Men movies have done? I think that in 2000 or 2001, when the X-Men movies first started coming out, they could tell that story. I don't know if you could tell mm. a bigger okay. budget X-Men story mm. and also include that in a giant, in, in the world that we live in today and yeah. be able to get away with it, quote unquote. 
Yeah, like I think you could on like a Disney Plus ten episode X Men yeah. TV show. Mm-hmm. Like but you're right, not going to probably... get Robert Downey Jr. doing Tropic Thunder two with blackface. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> different times twenty years ago <laughs> compared to now. I I also would like to see them go further than they did in the uh, in in the yeah. Fox uh, yeah. X Men movies. I think that there's a, you know they they got kind of cute about it like have you tried not being a mutant and so on? It's like, okay, we get, we see the, the, you're pointing at this and you're pointing at this and we know what we're talking about here. But like some of the really, really terrible personal effects of, of um, these real world issues, I think they kind of skirted around in some ways. Well, and, and that's why I kind of think the, this one part, the multiverse could work. Cause I think if we went to a world where all this has been happening for a while but we took, you know, like Ned from our world went to there and maybe Iceman comes over to 616 and is like, wait, people have powers? They don't all hate you? I don't understand. Like, <laughs> I think I think there's ways you could – I think it would be hard to sort of like throw the X-Men into the, this universe that we have on the MCU and just create all of that depth of oppression out of nowhere. But if they could, I'd, I'd be all for it. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Creating a story about oppression. I'm not saying please create oppression. Yeah. 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 No, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> but I feel like couldn't they potentially introduce the X Men or mutants, right? And have that be a thing that people aren't necessarily reflexively so against right away, but have that kind of sentiment sort of foment and just develop over time. Maybe there's some big incident, you know, some like house of M type thing or whatever, or like, you know, something that's similar to, you know, the events of civil war and, and Sokovia, right. Age of Ultron. And like Mm -hmm. where there already is some level of, I mean, we saw it in Spider-Man, right? Like it's not that he has powers, but it's that maybe he did some bad things and, And, and like, yeah. The anonymity you know, and the everything else, yeah. Right. And it's like, is there maybe something that's different enough about mutants where it's like, maybe you get more parents like, well, what if my child is a mutant or kind of things that, I don't know, like it is a little different from a lot of the other sort of, you know, powered people, right? Mm-hmm. And in that it, it is genetic in a way that most of these other powers seem to be they're mostly science experiments, right? I mean, that's like the majority of them in the MCU, right. I think, right? Or like it's an alien or like, you know, where it's not so much necessarily just the powers themselves, but the fact that it's this mutation of humanity, that it's evolution and that, mm-hmm. you know, you get more of the sort of, maybe you get a figure like Magneto being like, yes, we are the future, you know? And mm-hmm you know, we're here to replace you. And then you have this sort of like, oh, you know, and like, as much as I don't want to fuel that (laughs) nonsense fire in the real world, I think there is maybe some, it's like mutants aren't necessarily there to replace you. I don't know. I, I, I feel like it's you, there's a way to do it. It's not going to be easy. There's a lot of, there's a lot more ways to do it really bad and to do it well. And I'm a little, I'm, I'm a little concerned. I don't know. I don't really trust the mouse that much, you know? (laughs) I I mean, in some ways, like, I think you're right that it would be, it would be better to do this in the biggest budget. Most people are going to see it way possible. Mm -hmm. And I think there's an extent to which they may only do it in a TV show because that scene is safer because they can get Mm -hmm. away with it more. Mm -hmm. But I also think, yeah, I, 
let alone the mouse, I don't think you can explore issues this complicated in a hundred minutes. Like I think this oh. is to me, I I think a mm-hmm. <laughs> hundred minutes. Uh, like they I, make like a well, yeah. <laughs> I, I think the X- <laughs> Oh, that would be great. I think to me, an X Men. If the X Men really go into the MCU, I want to see it as a TV show because I think I there's just yeah. so yeah. much you, there. You can really get into depth, but, but and for sure. I th- I think that starts to get to the problem. Well, it would have to be like we're doing X Men TV shows and not movies, quite honestly, because uh, and they would just have to say that because one of the things that kind of is really like as I was like my initial reaction to watching Ms. Marvel is that I wish this was the first MCU show. It's so good and it's so unique. It has a visual style. It has all of these just like, I wish that they had led with this and, and not like been like, Oh, remember this? You like this? Oh, here's another, Mm. you know, character. Maybe you like that, but just like really let off with the idea. We're going to do new and different things here. And that, you know, if, you know, this is the direction we're taking. And if you want to be in, you know, in on the boat, you know, check it out. And and instead, it feels like they're they're trying to slip one in here. They're trying to see, set up a weather balloon and see, oh, can we get away with this? And Ms. Marvel is the best new character that Marvel has made in 40 years since Wolverine. Wow. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, I'm trying to think of another character at that level that they've made since then. And like, She's an incredible Kamala Khan is just this incredible character. They need to be doing everything they can to to just like make this as big a deal as possible. And it's like, oh yeah, we can fit you in between uh, Hawkeye and you know and She Hulk. And it's like, oh, uh, just I don't know. It it kind of bugs in that regard. But something like X Men, when they're like, yeah, this is only a TV show. You can't just like get the cliff notes by watching the movies. I think. They, that that could be a different sort of situation because everyone has expectations from X-Men already. I wanted to touch Fantastic Four briefly in trying to keep ours to 100 minutes. <laughs> Can I just say one yeah, thing? Yeah, of course. Um, as far as Ms. Marvel, Matthew, you were talking earlier about it not um, having the viewership, and obviously we don't know exactly how all that works. I think some people are spinning that as having to do with some of the, you know, the cultural things or racism or whatever. And I wouldn't, I'm not discounting that as a potential factor, but, you know, the first four series, right. Or five series, four or five series, all featured, you know, characters from the movies mm-hmm. getting their yeah. own series, right. Yeah. Movie stars getting their own series, Moon Knight, not a character from the the movies, but like Oscar Isaac is a movie star, you know, yeah. Yvonne Villani is fantastic, but mm-hmm. like they found her on Instagram or TikTok or something, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> like, so I think it's like, they don't have a huge bankable star in this one. So it's reasonable. I, I kind of feel like, you know, these are streaming things, right? They don't need box office numbers. I think this is the type of show that might have more of a sort of a, a fat tail kind of slow burn viewership, yeah. right? Acquiring viewership over time, as opposed to like, oh, I have to see this right away. It has this big movie star in it. And it's got this character from the movies. I know that character from the movies here. It's like, you don't know any of the characters, right? They mention characters. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, 
I think this probably has a much smaller budget than some of those, in part because it doesn't have the big salaries for the very yeah. well-known actors, in part because the effects have been a lot less, um, which I think is good. You know, oh, but I they're also so good that just all the like animation that is in, wonderful, yeah, wonderful illustrating story. Oh god, I, I also think, and I will certainly not encourage any of its behavior, but the movie is aimed very much not only at teens and tweens, but at tech-savvy teens and tweens, mm. and that it's possible that the number of people that Disney registers as watching its show <laughs> and the number of people who are teens and tweens who are tech savvy who are watching that show, that that second number might be a little bit higher Perhaps. than the first number. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, 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 part of my point with the Kenobi thing is I don't think Disney is going to say like, oh no, it didn't have as much, you know, numbers as Loki, therefore we're going to not do this again. I, th I think right. they're fully expecting the numbers to not be as high and they're totally okay with it. I yeah. think that's good. Yeah. Good. Fantastic Four. Because, I mean, in the comics, they are completely integral, right? Like, they were the first ones. They were the first superheroes. They're the biggest celebrities of all of them. And they are as tied up in, in Marvel history as any other character. Do you see them trying to replicate their status in the MCU somehow? Or just say, fuck it, we've got other characters who have that who have that stature in our in this universe and we're going to have the the fantastic four be something else. That's a good question. Uh jeez, I've said that what three times now. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, I mean, I haven't read a ton of Fantastic Four. I've read a little bit and I feel like it feels almost backwards, right? To like introduce them later. Mm -hmm. If canonically or in the comics, generally like they've been first. So it, it feels like, how do you get them to that point? I almost kind of picture them as being one of those superhero teams in there's this Batman beyond episode with like the fantastic three, basically. Right. It's like clearly a takeoff on the fantastic four. Mm. I could That's almost so see good. these. It's a fantastic episode. <laughs> nice. <laughs> ah. yeah. Eh, eh. yeah. Terry gets electrocuted like five times. But... <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Deep cut for our uh, our back issues yeah. here. If you if you know, you know. But yeah, Terry. Like, I mean, the this superhero team is now showing up in a world that has the Justice League, right? It shows up in a world that like Dark Side got fought off, uh, like an invasion from Apocalypse. Like, it's this big deal, and they've got these corporate sponsors and whatever, and like they're you know they're popular, but they also are kind of newcomers. And I feel like you could kind of work the Fantastic Four in in a similar way where it's like, they're this new superhero team that is maybe in some way filling the void left by, you know, Tony Stark where, and, and Steve Rogers who were like, you know, they were running the Avengers basically. Right. And then Black Widow after as well. Right. But that, that, you know, the Avengers don't have Avengers Tower anymore. It's like, well, now you have the Baxter building maybe, right? And mm -hmm. I, I think they could kind of, you know, the Avengers, it feels like the Avengers are sort of like fractured at the end of Endgame, right? Like they did what they were there to do. They fought off, you know, they, they defeated Thanos and their most tenured members are all either dead or retired or scattered to the winds kind of. And 
Now they're maybe kind of regrouping and maybe that's when the Fantastic Four show up on the scene as maybe this really more well-oiled kind of coherent unit that's like literally a family, right? Yeah. And, and then they kind of fill that space and then there's some conflict later maybe in terms of, or not conflict, but maybe friction or however you want to play it of like the Avengers and the Fantastic Four and maybe then the X-Men show up and you have a thing that's almost like about like different superhero teams and like maybe there's some disaster or some big threat and then they're all each trying to solve it in their own way and it's like maybe they're maybe that's your phase five i don't know i i love it and i think that these can kind of come together too like you have you know the x-men you have uh the avengers are are sort of in disarray falling apart you know wanda has gone full villain turn maybe you have another big catastrophe linked to the avengers and and the general public says i don't know how i feel about these superhero folks you know we've got you know we had the sokovia thing and all this other stuff like it doesn't seem to be a very good thing in general and then the fantastic four come in and they're like you know or universally you know they they get to be the exception and the mutants are brought in as you know sort of the the other side of it yeah i I, I'm going to say I'm of two minds about the Fantastic Five, Four, but really I'm on like eight different minds. <laughs> um, so I'm just going like to go through the various things. Sure. Again, I know literally nothing about them. I have watched half of one movie on the worst night of my life while I was not fully sober. Um, so I know Excellent. like I, I, I don't have any movie associations with them. I've never read the comic books. I'm curious to see them. Yeah. I think – there's a part of me that's like it's been so hyped up that I don't really know how it could possibly meet those expectations. Mm, mm-hmm. so that's something I'm concerned. So part of me is like, I, why, 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 yeah. why do it? Yeah. Another part of me is like, and again, I don't want to hit this horse too hard, but it is an important horse to mention every now and then. The MCU is not so good with Jewish representation, mm. and especially like I think I've been convinced that maybe having Magneto as part of the new X-Men in the MCU is not the best idea and let's get some new X-Men characters which would be great but also especially after Wanda it means we're taking away one more potential Jewish character in the MCU Moon Knight was Jewish but yeah the, that representation could have been done a lot better I love a lot more of the show so I don't want it from there yeah. but like yeah, give us Ben Grimm, and if Ben Grimm's not wearing a yarmulke at some point, we got a problem. Like, <laughs> that man needs a glowing Star of David over his head. Let there be no doubt. Let the word go forth. Ben Grimm is Jewish. Yes. So I think that that's important. I think the biggest thing, and I think kind of what you were saying, Paul, echoes this. One of my biggest frustrations, and I think the MCU does this especially, but a lot of people do this, is... We have fallen in love with the, the, the team gets together stories. <laughs> and what happens now is that in the first movie, the team gets together, the first season, the team gets together. And in the beginning of the second movie, the second season, the team falls apart again, only to get together by the end of the season two or at movie two, and then do it again <laughs> and again and again. I'm, I'm so, I'm so mad that I didn't get numerous episodes of Matt and Foggy hanging out in the law office with Karen Page doing legal stuff and superhero stuff. You know, I'm so mad that we didn't get whatever the team is. I always want them more together. So I think, especially if this, if the idea was, look, they're family. And so they're going to fight, they're going to be mad at each other, but they're going to stay together as a family from movie to movie and series to series. That alone would make me so happy. Mm. And especially if that kind of gave it more of a core 
that alone, that to me, that would be the single thing I'd most look forward to. And it. a big rocket yamaka. Right. right. Just, <laughs> if it was more like bickering than like, yeah. you know, splitting yeah. up. Like, it, it's funny how much I'm drawing on this because I think the overall quality of these shows was not the level that we get in a lot of the best MCU stuff. I think the Arrowverse did a very good job. In all those shows, there was found family and it stuck together. Mm. And like, yeah. one character yeah. would halfway mm. through a season get mad at one other character and they might start stop talking or the other character would go off for three or four episodes. But the core family stayed together in every one of those shows. Mm. Yeah. Cool. So, for Fantastic Four, I'm going to ask this just for the sake of throwing it on the table. Do they have to be human? Can they be mutants, you mean? Or like, can they be a family from another planet oh. that introduces themselves to Earth? As long as they have Jews on that planet, sure. <laughs> <laughs> right, on, be- <laughs> right on the tail of Ben Grimass to be Jewish. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't mean to keep, I don't mean to keep hitting on it. I'm sorry. It's just, it's getting so ridiculous that it's far into the MCU. Yeah, but it, yeah. go ahead. It, it is otherwise a very interesting story, a very interesting question. So go ahead. Well, and also he's the only one who's not directly family with them in quite the same way. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like there's a brother and a sister and then the sister and her husband. And then, yeah. yeah. I, if know. Ben Grimm goes into space and gets hit with radiation while meeting this family three of three people. aliens. <laughs> yeah, that could be fun. <laughs> that could be a story. Just as long as he doesn't do it on Friday night. Friday night, he's in the synagogue. But I'm that <laughs> Well, not on not on the Sabbath either. It's I guess he could have yeah, a Sabbath goy. Yeah, he could, he, could, have, he could have a Shabbos goy who is flying the the spaceship oh my for God. him. I want to see the story where he's in space trying to figure out when sundown is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, 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 there's a rabbi on TikTok. I forget his name, but I'll send it to you so you can put it in the comments. But he he makes wonderful commentary on superhero stuff from a rabbinic perspective. I need to send him that question of it. how do you figure out when sundown is when you're in space? <laughs> I love it. Oh my God. So basically the reason why I ask is in phase four, most of the new introductions we've gotten are from people who are like hero worshipers mm. in the, in the name of, in the sense of like the, the primary trilogy, the infinity saga Post Endgame, we have had enough time pass where people have idolized heroes and mm-hmm. they've been influenced by some of our uh, more popular heroes. So to avoid a- another coming of age intro origin story, do we flip that process on its head and do an intro to Earth origin story? Hmm. For um, the first, for a first family, and they could be the first alien family or something. It, obviously, they're not because we've had scrolls on Earth for thirty years right. canonically. Public, public but, aliens, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, do they have to be human explorers? Can I think they be somewhere I th- else? I think you'd lose a lot. I'd be interesting to see it. You know, sure, throw yeah. it at me. Give me all the crazy. If it's done poorly, it's better than a safe idea done well oftentimes. But I I, I don't think that would be my first choice. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we have to have a multiverse, let's take advantage of it. Like they could be just <laughs> yeah. for some reason there wasn't 
the, the Fantastic Four on 616, but they come over to 616. Like, Mr. Fantastic and his fantastic ego having to recognize that he's not utterly beloved and known on this world. That could mm. be fun. Mm. Like, Not to be confused with actual ego. Confused with actual ego. No. <laughs> right. Of <laughs> father of Star Lord. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know how you bring the Fantastic Four. Like, oh, man. Licensing being the bitch that it is. Introducing such large players and names like the Mutants and the Fantastic Four this late in the game is not easy. <laughs> I'm so thankful that I'm not in the writer's room <laughs> having to come up with this. Just reboot the whole thing. <laughs> Roll out to leave. I, I think it's an interesting experiment, though, because you get, mm-hmm. I mean, we have, I'm kind of using my experience as an example of the person who isn't a comic book fan. I feel like I know the X-Men in and out because they've had so many movies. I know literal nothing about, I know Ben Grimm is Jewish. I know Sue Storm can turn invisible and Jessica Alba had a line about, let's let's not fight. No, let's. <laughs> I remember that line <laughs> 25 years ago. And her brother is young and, you know, don't even think about it. I never do. Sure. Uh, like the taglines are remember these characters. That's it. Yeah. And so I feel like there's kind of an interesting thing of like, how do you bring the X-Men in when so many people know about them? How do you bring the Fantastic Four in when the hardcore fans who you need to keep happy know everything about them and everyone else like probably barely remembers their movies? I agree. The only example against that is what they did with James Gunn and Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm. The hardcore comic oh, yeah. nerds knew Guardians of the Galaxy and we knew what we could expect from a Guardians mm-hmm. movie, mm-hmm. James Gunn gave us none of that. Yeah. <laughs> and it was so <laughs> much All better. of the characters. Yeah. yeah. He turned all the characters' representation on their head and told original brand, not brand brand new, but like original takes on characters that have been in the comics for decades. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing. So, you know, approaching the concept of Mutants and X-Men and Fantastic Four, depending on who they bring in, it could be something we've never even thought of. And it's going to be amazing also. And the other, my last point on the Fantastic Four and kind of the X-Men too, is that as important as it is to introduce the Fantastic Four, it's almost more important to introduce Dr. Doom. He's the best villain that Marvel has access to by a landslide and Magneto is number two. Like Thanos in the comics is fine. Loki in the comics, he really got like, it's really only in the last 15 years or so, 10 years that he's been awesome. Like he has been in the movies. So it's, it's really like, you know, Marvel, a lot has been written about, you know, how they don't have the best villains or the MCU doesn't have the best, most memorable villains or whatever. And I think a lot of that has to do with their storytelling structure, but give me, give me a Dr. Doom solo movie and I will be stoked. Yeah. What if you made like the fantastic fours entry into the MCU, a Dr. Doom story. Perfect. And they're like the antagonist. That would yeah. be perfect. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Make Dr. Solved it. Make yeah. Doctor Doom the kind of next big Thanos, and that's why the Fantastic Four have to come over to the 616. Sure. Sure. 
And maybe even give us a Fantastic Four movie com- and, like, only at the very end reveal this wasn't on the 616, you know? I mean... If you're yeah. gonna use the multiverse and the Fantastic Four, though, I feel like you have to have Steve Rogers and Eric Killmonger make uh, uh, cameos. <laughs> Just be like... Because they both played Johnny Storm. Oh, right. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. I like it. Um, like really we, did, we didn't get Iron Man... And yeah, yeah, Sherlock say no yeah. shit, Sherlock. Yeah, to each other. Or, I don't or know if we're gonna get this, but I'm there's down. like at least three Watsons, I think. <laughs> I, I am on record as saying I don't want Chris Evans to ever be in an MCU project ever again. Like, I think I he's think amazing. Chris Evans, Evans would agree with you there. But I would say, what a troll it would be if he was seen on set, you know, one day, yeah, yeah. and it turns out he's in it playing Johnny Storm (laughs) from one of the universes, not for like 30 seconds or something. Oh, that'd be so good. (laughs) The fandom would eat itself alive. I would, I would would get so much, I would get so much popcorn while fandom burns. So Captain America was on the moon when the SpaceX solar flare (laughs) happened or whatever it was that, you know, caused the powers. Okay. It's like no. <laughs> That's not I think happens. we have entered the loopy part of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh let's wrap it up. We we've already started pitching some stories, I think, that we would like to see the MCU do in the future. So it can be near future, it can be far future, but let's let's just do a quick popcorn round table. Anything either stories that you know about from other media or just a completely original idea of yours, anything that you would like to see come up. I have one original idea and yes. one totally unoriginal idea. The Perfect. original idea, which I don't know how original it is. I know there's like a Wolverine and Venom comic somewhere, right? Okay. Yeah. You guys talked about that. Does Wolverine ever get taken over by the symbiote? Because like, I would like to see that. I just want to see that. When I was thinking about like writing some spec thing, yeah. I was like, I'm going to do that. Because I think that would look cool. That's the whole thing. And Wolverine has really been the host of a of a yes. yes. Okay, yeah. So like <laughs> everyone in the comics at of one course. point has yeah, been yeah, the host of, of a course. <laughs> so like I don't know. I think that would be entertaining. And like, I mean, in general, I would like to see smaller stories. I'd love to see an X-Men series, right? Mm. And we talked about this on the pod with Miles Stokes, but like I would love to see it structured kind of like Lost, especially like the first season of Lost, where it's like each episode focuses on a different character and they kind of gradually take you through the arc of the whole group. But like you kind of zoom in on a different character each time. But like one big, really well-known arc that I would like to see them do eventually with the X-Men in the MCU, I would like to see them actually do the Dark Phoenix storyline like well. Like, I feel like Damn. if they failed at that twice and they failed at the Fantastic Four twice <laughs> and they're going to try and do the Fantastic Four, give me another Dark Phoenix. Just don't make it terrible this time. Just like just like do it right one time. One for three. That's like a decent batting average. Like, I, I don't not trust, soon. I don't. Tr- I, I have a lot of respect for the MCU storytelling ability. <laughs> I don't think that they will do a good job with the Dark Phoenix storyline because they're afraid of sex. And and the sexual, uh, you know, tension and and subtones Mm. of of her, like, you know, awakening as a person and and into a world of, of, you know, pleasure and all that is right. I I don't think that that would translate. What if it's a Disney Plus series, part of like season five or whatever of the that mutant storyline, and it lives in the same area that Daredevil and Punisher 
and yeah. whatever living. I do feel Jessica like Jones. if X Men eventually Dark Phoenix. Yeah. Right. I like that yeah. as soon as they bring them to the MCU, that's all people are going to be talking about. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, when are we going to get the Dark Phoenix saga? So the longer I feel like can... at some point it's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. How well will it be done? Who knows? And, <laughs> and really like, can, can we just, can we make it be like the 15th or 20th story they tell and not yeah. the third? Like yeah. for sure. Not the first. Yeah. For sure. yeah. 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 I've got one thing I don't want. And then two stories, one plausible, one way out there. Mm-hmm. I want Steve Rogers, Tony Stark, and Logan, Wolverine, all to be characters whose stories are considered at this point to be done. I don't want any actor to ever mm. play Logan Wolverine again. Hugh Jackman did it. It was a fantastic story. Don't recast him. Let it be. That you can be what, disappointed on that one. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I am a million percent sure I <laughs> yeah, am, yeah, but yeah. you know, I'm. I'm. This is my Santa Christmas list, and I guess sure. I just haven't been that good and non-binary. But we'll see. <laughs> the story that I would like to see. That I think might we might get. We, we actually kind of talked ourselves talked myself into this one on the X-Men podcast I mentioned, but I'll bring it up to you all and hear your thoughts. Is I think the Magneto Professor X conflict is a really fascinating one. But like if we kind of take this idea of the mutants as this oppressed group, we're ne- all the stories we've had are almost always about what happens in the like five or ten years after people really are starting to fully accept that this is a thing. Mm. What we should now be like three or four generations into mutants existing in the world. I'd like to see more of those kind. Of, like what what's what's happening in terms of like inter intermixing and 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 uh, are people concerned about uh, assimilation and like all those kind of questions? I think could be mm-hmm. fascinating to say like yeah, continue the story of the X Men as metaphor for oppression. But started at a different point in that development, you know, where maybe like, maybe the maybe like it's no longer socially acceptable to be bigoted against, you know, it's kind of like segregation has ended, but we're still just as racist. We just are polite about it, you know, mm, right? Like those kind of things. I think that could be an interesting thing to do. The th- go ahead, I'll, I'll, oh, I'll save my last one. No, I just it's it's a great point because the X Men are different from other superheroes. One because they're you know a persecuted minority, but also it means that their their vision for the world is not like conservative. Let's it's not let's bring the world back to normal. Let's let's preserve you know like the things that we you know let's save the world from this outside threat all the time. It's Let's change it. We have a utopian vision about, you know, peace and coexistence and all these things. And so they are going to be threatening the status quo. And I would like to see the conflicts, conflicts that arise from that and and done in a in a, this is too much to ask, but done in a less cartoonish way and more like, you know, like a like a, a four way conflict between uh, Xavier Magneto, William Stryker and Senator Kelly, where Senator Kelly is, you know, the good liberal who still signs off on all of these persecution oh, yeah. measures as a way to be like, well, at least it's not as bad as what he's, you know. What you have to do to make it recent is that every time those other people do something terrible, <laughs> Senator Kelly sends out a fundraising email and says, <laughs> this is the most important election of our lives for viewers. <laughs> <laughs> Man, introducing psychics and voting tampering is a whole other Ooh. thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Wow. 
So here's the thing that the super far out one that I, I don't yes. think I'll ever get, but I would love. And this is my, if you have to give me a multiverse, give okay. me a damn multiverse. Yeah. I want Miles Morales in the MCU mm. animated. Cool. Give me, oh, oh, Roger give, Rabbit. Roger yes. Rabbit the hell out of Roger it. You know? Rabbit. Like, oh, wow. you, I'm sold. This sounds fucking Face great. jam. Reverse. If we can have the multiverse, yes. let's do yeah. like if, yes. if Doctor Strange wow. can be paint, there's going to be a world where somehow and like. Spider Noir, like it doesn't have to be Spider Noir and Spider Pig, even much as I love yeah. those, but they're great. Yeah. But like, yeah, just Miles Morales, you know, Afro Latina Spider Man, he's a fantastic character, and that voice actor may also be great as a live action. But I just love the the anime, the anime, the animation was such yeah. a beautiful way yes. of using movies in a new way. Yes, yeah, make that. If it's multiverse, give us the multiverse. Give, I love Ro- it, Roger Rabbit. <laughs> Let's I love do it. it. I feel like, I mean, first of all, Roger Rabbit was a real movie that existed and people loved. Yeah. yeah. So it feels like that kind of set a precedent for like, yes, you can do this and people mm-hmm. will accept it. Right. And then like Dr. Strange did the things it did. Like it, I don't see why you couldn't do that, you know? And then he could meet Donald Glover and be like, oh, Uncle Aaron. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Wait, are yeah, you proud or has- no? <laughs> They deleted the scene of him actually on the phone talking to Miles. Oh, really? But he does make reference. He talks about his nephew. He has a nephew. Yeah. 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 And his ice cream is going to melt. Oh, I have ice cream. Oh. I just got really happy. All right. Let's let's, let's (laughs) close close this podcast out. Yeah. Will, do you have any any stories that you want? I can't. I. Where did you go down? So (laughs) many. But that's a whole episode on itself but i will say that i want more science-based characters Hmm. we have a lot of tech and we have aliens and other random superpowers and stuff but like in incredible hulk which is still technically canon you had the birth of the leader and then they just left it yeah and and hulk was created by science and gamma radiation. And then you have the super soldier serum that was created by science. Like these are non-tech based characters, but then they've gone away from that and primarily focused on tech and magic, basically, at least recently. Mm -hmm. I want strange. I want more. Yeah. I want more characters that, especially villains that because science no morals or more no mm. morality like a high evolutionary mr mm. sinister high evolutionary like, would be good for the yeah where the, yeah where they're just like they're amoral, doing experiments and by doing yeah. that mm-hmm. it has created an antagonist within them because they're just doing experiments and their yeah. curiosity has created their curiosity has made them a bad guy yeah so you, you want batman villains <laughs> Spider-Man villains. Some too, Batman right? villains. Yeah. 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 Most yeah, but then they've changed so many of yeah. their origins to make them more tech-based or yeah. or they tech just came across wrong. this thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, I just I want I want people who are more like who are chemists. <laughs> I, want, yeah. I want those types of people. Yeah. More serums. <laughs> yeah. Baron Zemo would be very disappointed. (laughs) Give me me Mr. Diablo Corazon. (laughs) But yeah, that's, that's kind of my main one that we haven't seen a whole lot of. I also want to, I want people with inner monologues. We Mm. talked about this Mm. on our actual, on our regular podcast, but like 
what comics has that most movies and TV shows don't is the inner monologue that explains their train of thought and how they are processing the battle that they're in or the mystery they're trying to solve. Everything has to be telegraphed in a movie format. And, and that's the inner monologue is some of my favorite parts of a lot of my favorite comics because you can see how they see the world and then after their thought process, how they act on their thoughts. I have to say, I think that might just literally be impossible in movies. I, I without agree. being like you can do you can do voiceover, but it's it can it's really obtrusive compared to like narration right. captions in comics. Yeah. Mm. And so it becomes a trope and not like a storytelling device. I'll, yeah. That makes sense. I'll say though. I might be in the min- minority on this one, but I absolutely loved the the Batman movie that yeah. came out recently. The, the diary entries worked so well. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it has, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it's not a literal internal monologue while things are happening, but it's like a reflective monologue that I think serves some of that same purpose. And I mean, give me Spider Noir in like a <laughs> Right. Yeah. I mean, give me a, or just give me any noir. I mean, I felt like Moon Knight had this very noir vibe, you know, and I would love to see, I don't know if there's some other character that I don't know that would, that would work really well as that, you know, like if you did another DC thing, you you would use the question maybe Mm. or something, Mm. but like, are are there any Marvel characters that that would fit like really well specifically? Didn't Jessica Jones have a lot of voiceover (laughs) in the TV show? I don't remember. Damn, I, I mean, it definitely had a noir vibe. I haven't That's seen it in fair. so long. Now I got to rewatch season one <laughs> oh. with that actor from the new DuckTales. Yeah. <laughs> did you just describe, did you describe David Tennant as the actor from the new DuckTales? <laughs> yes, yes, he plays Scrooge. Wow. <laughs> I was saving uh, that one. <laughs> so one thing that I, I would love to see more captions in comic book movies, like mm. comic style on screen word captions and they did it briefly in Deadpool 2 it's the only time I've ever seen it and it was just like you know a, a very uh, omniscient narrator like you know telling you what the what the scene transition was was denoting they did but, it with Into the Spider-Verse but that's animated not okay. yeah. Yeah. and the Suicide Squad kind of did something like that a little bit but not really I would love to see a lot more of that. Just, yeah. it, I think it would be a way to get sort of because c- comics. I'm sorry to go full Scott McCloud on you all. Comics, you can do competing narratives. You can have you know the art tell one story, the dialogue tell a second, and the captions tell a third. Mm-hmm. You can you have this sort of like density of narrative that when you're relying on one audio track, it doesn't quite you know it 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 becomes obtrusive so yeah i would love to see dared uh, i would love to see deadpool arguing with his with his thought bubble <laughs> captions the way he right. does in the comics and uh, uh, that would be amazing my pitch my stories that i'd like to see i would love to see a generation x movie where it's like the mutant breakfast club and they're all you know you've got your your jock mutant your punk mutant because you guys aren't as familiar, I won't tell you, say the character names, but I would love to see them all, you know, like have having to solve some sort of problem within the school band together across because it it would kind of go to the idea of like there are enough mutants that they can they can be cliques and they can be subcultures mm. and, and kind of get to a real culture within it. I would love to see that Doom movie. I would love to see <laughs> this is like 10 phases, 20 phases down the line. 
it, and it completely invalidates everything that we've said about multiverses. But I would love to see Secret Wars, the 2015, you know, version of Secret Wars. It, it's just an God, unbelievable dude. story. Yeah. I want, ooh, give me a movie directed by John Hickman. Done. All right. <sighs> done the podcast. We, that's it. All right. We're done. That's it. Are you, are, you, are, you, are you placing the outro music? No, I didn't say it. We have to, like, have an actual, like, closing and stuff. But, okay. But yeah, that would be amazing. All right, well, sorry. If there's I had to throw that in there. Any, any closing thoughts, Paul or Matthew, thank you so much for joining us. A real gift to have you on our podcast. Absolutely. It's been a lot of fun. That's that's all I got to say. I had a lot of fun. I look forward to doing it again sometime in the not too distant future. Yeah, no, I, I love it. You, you all are fantastic guests, but I really love the way you kind of run this. Like, I feel like Steve... Normally, I'm the one who's trying to be like, okay, let's kind of stay on topic. I'm just going on full-on flights of fancy, and yes. you're actually doing a pretty good job. I've done Very that other podcasts anyway. with people who are used to me doing it, yeah, and yeah. the whole thing is bananas. <laughs> and I've really appreciated you kind of pulling us back to earth and letting me kind of be like, wee, let's talk about <laughs> Roger Rabbit. Let's go for it. So, yeah, no, I, I love it. I'm looking forward to your fan, uh, you know, coming into this as the dirty casual, because I'm, I'm guessing most of your listeners are more comic book side. I'll be very curious to see what kind of reactions we get absolutely, absolutely. if oh, no. our 17 listeners are uh want to <laughs> see more of you paul and matthew where can they uh find you i'm zen madman a bunch of places on twitch on uh twitter and uh, on youtube then zen madman poker on youtube if like people are into poker that's that's like that's awesome. the gist of it awesome thank you um, and I do a podcast or two. You can find all the podcasts on theethicalpanda.com. The the name of the two podcasts I'm on most often are Superhero Ethics and Star Wars Universe Podcast. Um, we do Star Wars. We just did a whole thing on Kenobi. Superhero Ethics feels like we're doing all the other content that's coming out right now. <laughs> Umbrella Academy. Uh, we did a whole bunch of stuff on Moon Knight. We're going to do stuff on Ms. Marvel. Stranger Things. Stranger Things. I will, though, say, because it just went up today, and I want to mention it. Pandavision's another podcast that's in our kind of podcast network. I'm not part of it. I'm not the host of it. I guest occasionally. And they were doing episode-by-episode coverage of the Orville. I dropped out of it. For, uh, I was one of the hosts for a while. I dropped out of it because I didn't like the way the season started. But they recently did an episode, season five, uh, season three of the Orville, episode five, A Tale of Two to uh, Topas, which is, I think, one of the most powerful probably top five most powerful, most impactful, and most needed episodes of television that I've ever seen in wow. terms of wow. it. What I love about science fiction, what I love about Star Trek is, and other science fiction like that, is when they say, let's take an issue from our own world, play with the dynamics of it because mm -hmm. we're aliens and space and stuff like that, but still show you we're making comments about our own world. Orville, I think... It, the first six episodes are Seth MacFarlane Family Guy jokes, and it feels like the network looked away, and then Seth MacFarlane was like, cool, I can stop doing that mm. and just make a love letter to Star Trek. Mm. This episode is, it's, it's basically all about um, the issue of transgender youth and how transgender youth are affirmed and how important it is to affirm them and what happens when people don't affirm them as being trans, told through an alien culture lens, and, and it just That's hits really so many different beautiful. things. It, it's one of the best episodes of television I've ever seen. It's so powerful. And we did an episode all about it on PandaVision. So I'd say definitely check that. That's probably the thing I'd most want people to check out. I won't get your money for it, but like, <laughs> definitely check that out. But if you want to you know, check out the other podcasts I do, Superhero Ethics and Star Wars Universe Podcast, and all of it's at theethicalpanda.com. 
And I, I should awesome. probably mention that I'm like constantly a guest on those two podcasts. Yeah. Technically <laughs> not a co-host. Technically <laughs> not a co-host. Editing here and there. Just a very frequent guys, contributor. Mostly when the time guys want gets more original. episodes of our podcast, we are have is my superpower because you are listening to it right now and you know this. All right. <laughs> well done. Thank nice. you. Yeah. Well, then with that, I guess we put the outro music here. And This is old man. Oh yeah, yeah. Nice. Quick, quick I love it. Yeah, that we were talking over right now. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>